Haven't you heard? A queen is on the rise. Wear a mini hat so she can open up your eyes. Join the convo, the podcast is lit. Cop a penny to the spice up your fit, yeah. She's a producer, you can vibe to a remix. She do the most, but she ain't come to do the least. Whether it's the combo or the music you want, find it all here at tttalks.com. Come and stimulate your mind with tttalks. Promise you'll never fall behind when tttalks. The knowledge you're seeking, you can find when tttalks.com. So come on and get with tttalks. Peace, family. It's your girl, T.T. from T.T. Talks. I'm so glad to be back behind the mic again to bring you some more bomb content. As always, I appreciate the support. Special shout out to my patrons on Patreon. And I have had quite a few new patrons over the last month or so. So I just want to shout out Omitola McIntosh, Cherie Wiltshire, Khalil Sadiq, Latoya Davis-Craig, Corinne Stansel, Raquel Lynch, and Nzinga Mack. Thank you so much for believing in me. I thank you all. Like, y'all just don't even understand. From the bottom of my heart, I really, really, really appreciate it. I've been on a bit of a hiatus over this holiday season just to rest and recover and, you know, work on some new projects. So I'm really excited to get back into podcasting. In the meantime, I've been doing some drone work and some DJing. I've spun for a few virtual parties and I've been having a ball with that. Please feel free to reach out to me on the interwebs if you want me to spin for your virtual party. I would love to do it. And DJ Nostalgic brings the vibes. You heard me? I also did a Christmas mix, also known as the Crumma Mix, that premiered on Christmas Eve and Christmas night on Bonfire Radio. This mix is now available on SoundCloud and MixCloud. Just look up DJ Nostalgic, N-O-S-T-A-L-J-I-Q. I also have been enjoying the new social media platform called Clubhouse. I'm on there at Miss TT, that's M-S-T-I-T-I. Sometimes I spin on there. Other times I'm, you know, listening to interesting conversations and sometimes I'm jumping into or even starting conversations. So feel free to link up with me there. I have a good time there and it's a it's a cool app. I really am enjoying it. Now, y'all know I'm a whiskey woman, so I was super excited to drop my last episode with TK Burton. Uh, now known as TK Johnson, as she just got married last week. Congratulations, sis. But Sister TK was my guest, okay? And she is the co-owner of Red Hazel Whiskey. Check this episode to hear how she went from being furloughed to starting a whiskey business with her brother Ty. I did a live tasting of the whiskey and Sis also made the Red Hazel Signature Cocktail. She even was kind enough to leave a bottle for one of my listeners. So I will do a drawing on New Year's Eve so that you could potentially get you a bottle. Here's how you can enter the drawing for a bottle of Red Hazel. One, follow TT Talks and Red Hazel on IG. And she is at Red Hazel Official. Share the link to the show and use the hashtag TTTalksRedHazel. That's all together. Check this clip in case you missed that show. And this, this whole process has been very tough. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's been two and a half years in the making. And... I've been furloughed since March mm-hmm. due to COVID. Mm-hmm. So it really gave me that push. What kind of work well, were you doing? Event staffing. Event so staffing. I worked it on the back end with experiential marketing and mm-hmm. events and did their staffing. I talked to my brother. I talked to my parents. I talked to God. I was just like, yeah. okay, what, what am I doing? I can't sit home and just do nothing. Right. 
But now I have my time back to focus on Red Hazel because when you work full time mm. and you're trying to start a business, mm-hmm. once you get home from work, it's like, okay, I need to focus on my business. You have one of two choices. Give right. your business a few hours right. or get sleep. Mm. <laughs> Tell me about it. Or spend time with your significant other. Yeah. Within 60 days of being furloughed, we had finished our marketing plan. We have finished the social media. I've created the content pages and we just got the ball rolling. Amazing, right? See, that's why you got to keep up, people, so you can keep on top of all the cool stuff that is happening in the community. Now, as we all know, TT Talks is a Pan-African podcast. And today is the first day of Kwanzaa. Make sure you are following the Adinkra Group on YouTube and Facebook. They have daily virtual activities celebrating Kwanzaa. And I was super excited to be a part of the Umoja discussion. Go to KwanzaaForever.com for the full schedule of events. That's Kwanzaa, K-W-A-N-Z-A-A, the number four, E-V-A.com. So we on episode 36. This was such a fun episode, y'all. My brother Kofi Bonsu Hunter is an amazing musician from Queens, New York, and he just released a pivotal jazz album called Nation Time. It was inspired by all of the social and political events that happened this year. I got to chop it up with him as he shared that fascinating and even magical story of how this album even came together. This episode is also somewhat of an album review because we go through the tracks and even get to hear some of the clips from the album. So definitely sit tight and enjoy this one, okay? It is definitely nation time and my brother Kofi is bringing it. Enjoy. Peace, family. It's your girl TT from TT Talks. I'm so glad to be back behind the mic again to bring you some more bomb content. I am super excited today because I have a very special, special guest. Uh, He just dropped a dope album. His name is Kofi Hunter, all the way from New York. What's up, my brother? Hey, (laughs) what's up? What up? What up? It's good to see you on here. I'm glad that you're here. We're going to talk about... Thank you for having me. Nation time. And I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have you. I wanted to come on and talk about this album. I saw him post about it, you know, right around the time you were uh, about to drop it. And I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to check this out because he dropped a project a couple years prior to that that I really enjoyed. So I was like, mm-hmm. bet, let me check this out. I love the title, the image. I cannot wait. We're going to hear little clips and snippets. Of- Tell the folks about you, who who you be. Oh, man. Um, my name is Kofi. Some people, a lot of people know me as Bonsu. So... My name is Kofi Bonsu Hunter. Born and raised in Queens, New York, Jamaica, Queens. Um, my dad is from Panama in Central America. Mm. My mother and her family, they're from the South, from Mississippi and Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they met in their 20s in Brooklyn in, in the 60s at the height of the Black Power movement um, and were both interested in, they met at something that has been going on in Brooklyn. What's, what's I don't even know, maybe 50 years mm-hmm. now. The International African Arts Festival. Um, oh, wow. Or African Street Festival or some people would call it the East. Um, you know, they met at the East. Mm. So they they were clearly drawn to each other by the culture 
Right. So I guess I must say that it starts there for me with, you know, pretty much uh, why I would be named Kofi in the first place or Kofi Bonsu, which are Akan names, names from, from Ghana, mm-hmm. West Africa. So that's my foundation is it starts with my parents and my siblings. I'm the youngest of seven. Oh, wow. Um, I really, you know, was raised in a village that had its own chiefs and ceremonies and customs and yeah. drummers and herbalists and, you know, mm-hmm. truly right in New York City. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a tr- true village. Um, so that's really a lot of who I am and why I am um, before music, before anything. It's my culture, my family, my community. So that's who I am, truly. I love it. You know and it I comes mean? through in the and music. I do, I do a lot of stuff, but I am that. Facts. Facts. And it, like, it, it comes through in the music. So mm-hmm. Nation Time, how did, how did we even get to this moment to make this album? What was going on Man, when it was so ruminating? The, the whole album was conceived and recorded this year. Wow. So there's no music on it that's like I had in a stash. There's no ideas that I had in a stash. Everything kind of transpired over like a three-week three week period. Mm. Um, so I, I had been in quarantine like everybody else on the planet uh, from you know, March 11th, you know, till now, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? We still right. in quarantine. Right. Um, but that's, but, you know, when it was shelter in place and we were really just like not going anywhere at all, like except for the supermarket to get food. Mm. Um, so, and I was really, I'm a musician full time pretty much. So, oh, wow. which means not just like cool creative stuff, but like weddings, you know, right. bar mitzvahs, right, right, right. <laughs> birthday parties, like all of that dead. Shut like everything, down. You know, my, you know, little road stuff or everything kind of done. Wow. So it really put me in like a, in like a place where I wasn't feeling too creative. I felt like really just kind of maintaining my sanity. Mm-hmm. So I would be, I, I just put into my routine practice. So I would practice every day, um, but I wasn't, I didn't feel like writing anything got it um music lyrics nothing i wasn't moved to write so all i wanted to do was just kind of use my body to um kind of expel this energy that i had right and this you know i was trying i literally was was shedding on the drums Mm. every day to maintain my sanity (laughs) like during during this whole thing it was just like Cause it was so therapeutic, mm. you know what I mean? To just play for, for, for hours. So, you know, I'm, I'm conscious, but also not conscious that I'm getting better as this is happening. I wasn't writing. No, I also didn't have my laptop. I'm, I mentioned my computer because that's how I write. I write on my logic. Mm-hmm. So, and I have a keyboard, but it's only MIDI. So I have to be on a computer to right. use it. So without my, so I didn't want to write first of all, and then without my computer, I really couldn't like, put down concrete ideas or mm-hmm. even just like just you know melodies or whatever I, I thought of so this is where it gets like ill <laughs> so so when I when I dropped it off at Apple the bill was 775 mm-hmm. so I'm like okay well I'm thinking how am I gonna get this thing all right I'll be transparent 
unemployment money <laughs> and it kind of opened up some doors for me um so i was like okay now i can get my computer out mm-hmm. uh they're gonna you go into the parking lot then the people come out with the blue shirts the apple guys and, they, and mm-hmm. you know they'll, they'll meet you and they'll go in the store and get it and come bring it out to you i'm like okay cool so i see this uh sister coming with a laptop wrapped in like some bubble wrap kind of thing she's like are you are you kofi i'm like yeah she's like well, it seems as though the transaction was pushed through, so you don't have to pay for anything. Here you go. What? And I got my laptop for completely free. So I was like, "That's what I'm... <laughs> I got a whole chunk of money here right. that I could do something else with." And I just kept that in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "Man, I could I could like record something, or I could do something. I could uh, I was gonna try to do like a video or something like that." Right. But in May the George Floyd murder happened. And I was like, I remember being at home and, you know, COVID, this is COVID still going strong in New York city. I'm looking at the protest. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is still a time where we, we don't know what's, so I'm like, I feel like I should go, but it's, it feels dangerous. And then I just, I remember seeing these protests in my neighborhood. Hmm. like happening like places that I grew up at places that I frequented all the time and I'm seeing kids that I grew up with who I know were never into this kind of thing on the front lines I'm like no I gotta go like I have to go and be in this like you know what I mean I have to experience and I have to and and I, I also have been avoiding watching the video mm-hmm. and once I saw it it like this rage kind of just like swelled up in me and I'll be honest, I went out directly to confront the police. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I have to look at these guys in the eye and ask them like how they feel about what this other police officer did. Like we have to have some type of conversation. You know what I mean? It was just like, I had, I was just so overcome with emotion, like, you know, and, I had never really felt like that before. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I grew up knowing about these kind of things and I just, I had, it, I, had, I had never experienced these kind of feelings before, honestly. And it was an extra layer of it to see it happening in my neighborhood in Queens, Jamaica, Queens, which is just like, if you, you know, I was surprised and shocked mm-hmm. at, at the, the way my community showed up. Um, and it inspired me. Um, it inspired me for the first time throughout all of the pandemic, throughout all these months, for the first time going to this to this uh, protest, which was, I, I want to say it was the May 31st, something like that. It was that whole week from like the 25th to the 31st. It was all of these, pro- it was, that was like when shit really popped off all around the world. Mm-hmm. It was like really bad. Uh, well, not bad, but it was like a lot going on. Um you know, in in, uh, in Wisconsin, when they was burning everything down, all of this stuff was happening. Um, and I just got inspired. And the melody for the song Riding for Big Floyd came to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is in May. So this is before all the laptop stuff happened already. So this is in May. I, I kind of skipped ahead, but that's really what, because at this point, I was just literally making music to get it out of my body. Mm-hmm. Like the, the melody came to me. I had my cell phone 
and on my iPhone, it has a GarageBand app. So I went into the GarageBand app and I sung the melody into my phone. Mm -hmm. And then I also pulled up the piano and I played some chords that supported the melody under it on my phone. Mm -hmm. And that was, I can, you want me to play it for you? Yeah, please. So this is like a screen record. The original demo, I guess, for Riding for Big Floyd. Boxing it out and stuff. Listen. It doesn't say obviously doesn't sound that record doesn't sound exactly like that, but that's that was where it started. I love it, but you know you could hear it was like just hearing the the how you architected it, mm-hmm. you know how mm-hmm. how the, the the foundation of it, and then yeah. you know when you hear the final product and how you know it was able to just really come alive from mm-hmm. just trying to lay a quick rhythm down just to get the feel yeah. of it so that yeah. you could keep that energy. When you mm-hmm. when you went to go do it, so um, so so who are the musicians that were on with you? So um, there's a story behind that too, because the the musicians who ended up on it weren't the original musicians. It happened the night before. Mm-hmm. The oh wow! Session. So this whole this whole thing was just like, you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> it just kind of came together really quickly, and I don't know. It was it was it was. It was eerie um but yeah the night before i got morgan garen um and so just to tell a little bit about it so my the piano player who i originally had um is from dc lives in dc and by my mistake because it was my fault i like i asked him if he wanted to do the to do the session he was like yeah for sure and i was like all right bet it pays this much and he was like so (laughs) The day before the session, literally the day before, we were on a um a video chat. He's like, "Hey man, so when's the session? So when is it?" I'm like, "Hey, it's tomorrow." He's like, oh, "I'm still in DC." I'm like, <laughs> "Why?" He's like, "You never told me a date." Oh I wow! Like, I was like, "No way! There's no way <laughs> that's true." Like, I'm I'm thorough. There's absolutely no way. I went back to the message. I did not give him a date. Oh wow! So it's the day before the session now, and I have no piano player or keyboard player, which is like so integral to to, to sure. how this music was written. Cause it's not always, you know, it depends on how the music is written, but this was from a piano. Um and the bass player, which, you know, it, it was it was like they were really busy. So I could tell it was like, okay, this is this may be, I don't think maybe they. I don't want to get in their way. Like, you know what I'm saying? So at this yeah. point, I'm ready to cancel the whole session. The piano player is in DC. The bass player is busy. I'm like, 
I might, I might just cancel it. So then I call my horn player, uh, my friend, first of all, Erwin Hall, who, who played alto saxophone and um, bass clarinet and alto flute on this album. Um, I called him like, man, I got the session booked. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, I don't know when I'll be able to get you again or cats again. So I don't know what to do. Should I, I'm thinking about just canceling it, but then we have to re-corroborate everybody's schedules and all this type of stuff all over again. I'm like, I don't know. He like, ask, ask you know, Morgan if you want to play bass. I'm like, I'm not going to ask him. <laughs> I'm, I'm already just like, I'm not going to ask him. So I'm talking to him, just giving him, you know, the skinny. I'm like, yeah, man. So the bass players, you know, it's, it's no bass players. The, you know, the uh, keyboard players, no keyboard player. Even if I have to get another session at some point, I'll do that. But I don't want to reschedule this one. If the momentum is here, let's stay with it. So he's like, man, you know, I play bass, right? I'm like, yeah, I do. But I didn't want to ask. He's like, nah, I'll bring my bass. So I'll play tenor and I'll play bass. And he played another instrument, which is called the Iwi, mm-hmm. um, electronic wind in- instrument. Um, he played that as well. He was already playing tenor and Iwi. He's like, I play bass too. I was like, man, thank you. So that took care of that. And then he, I was like, man, I need a piano player. He's like, why don't you ask Julius? So I called uh, a cat who, you know, these is all, these are Morgan and Julius are younger cats. They're like in their early twenties. Um, I'm 34. So they're not, you know, that much younger than me, but younger cats and, you know, but like, hot, like geniuses, <laughs> like mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant musicians. Julius, to give you a, a, a window into Julius, his name is Julius Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from New York. He played, he played on this album piano. He played uh, key bass, like Moog synthesizer bass, Rhodes. Okay. Um, on on this album, I will, when we get into the tracks, I'll I'll get into who played what on what. Okay. Um, and so I called him, and he was down. You know, it was the night before the gig, um, and he was down. So I ended up having uh, Morgan Guerin on tenor sax, Ewe and electric bass. And I had Julius Rodriguez on um, grand piano, like I said, Rhodes, mm-hmm. uh, Moog synthesizer. I was going to say about Julius, Julius dropped out of Juilliard because he was gigging so much. Wow. <laughs> like, he just he didn't have time for Juilliard. Like, to give you a, a, a window into how these kids is like, you know, super brilliant, brilliant minds. Um but yeah, and my friend Irwin, who's playing alto on it, um, he went to Princeton, like, you know what I mean? And has a degree, he has a degree in Japanese from Princeton. Okay. And he's, he's a professional. That's amazing. You know, jazz saxophonist. And like how one old, of the top performers. How old is he? Irwin is, is, is around my age. Mm-hmm. Irwin is around my age. Yeah. So it was just, it was just this, this is essentially my quartet album you know amazing kind of that's the way i looked at it when i went into the process this is my kofi hunter quartet album um which might be extended to a quintet at a a certain point but still yeah that's what we ended up with and to be honest with you it really was for the best it was it was it turned out way better than i could have ever imagined that's amazing um it was just mind-blowing the whole process we you know recorded most of the album in one day wow some of the songs we did in one take 
Really? Yeah. This is amazing. This is amazing. It was, and it was a very like spiritual experience. Not to get like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like. <laughs> but I mean, it it was. It was yeah. that too. Yeah. It that's really was. A, that's that's great. And it's and who team. engineered the project? It was beautifully engineered. Yeah, man. This 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 cat Scott, um, Lindner. I always Lindner. have trouble saying his his last name because I think it's because of my my New York accent, but. Lindner, because you want to just say Linder, but it's Lindner. Mm-hmm. Scott Lindner. Um, he he recorded, mixed, and mastered the album. Wow. All at uh his studio, Pinch Recording, which is in Long Island City, Queens. I felt really proud to be able to say I recorded my, you know, debut, you know, kind of band leader album in Queens. That's like special to me. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm like sappy in that way. <laughs> you know yeah yeah um yeah man he just he he got it and and dug division from day one and really was like super hands-on with everything he's like the owner of the studio or like one of the owners of the studio scott is a i would say he's a little older than me um and yeah he he like i said from the from from the jump he was in he was down um and really gave, as far as I'm concerned, gave me like a lot of energy. Like we would be texting back and forth, you know, sending sending me mixes, letting me, you know, listen. And but he really did like a great job. And I'm not the like most sonic savvy person, to be right, honest with you. Right. I right. just kind of operate on instincts. I don't have a lot of the technical jargon and language when it comes to audio engineering and mixing and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. I'm really just using my ears. So yeah. It's a lot of trust for me, yeah. just trusting yeah. somebody to know that they're going to do their best. Um, and he did. He did. He really, he really just killed it. And also the studio is, is a great, great space. Um, Pinches is a, a little small studio. Um, and you can hear from now, it sounds like we could, we could have recorded it in a, in a stadium or something yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Like, it's got a big sound. It has a, has a big sound and it's little small, you know, small is relative. Right. But, compared to some studios is you know that can be so you know like look like a mansion um but yeah the the board is an analog board um so the whole album is analog you know what i mean um which gives it a certain vibe it, mm-hmm. i mean i'll be honest it wasn't necessarily i didn't know that going into it it wasn't like right, i didn't say, right. i didn't say to myself i'm going to record an analog album but what i'm realizing is it's just so many things that I'm just not in control of, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like this decisions being made for me in a way, like so it was just it like was it what was, was pushing the it album, was, it, you know? and it was perfect. Like it was perfect for the sound and for what I wanted to capture, which was really kind of like I wanted it to feel kind of like the music from the seventies, where like that's what I've been listening where? to a lot. And it influenced the vibe. So it gave, to me, it gave it that warm, live, almost acoustic kind mm-hmm. of vibe. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to Scott. Shout out to Scott. Mm-hmm. Cause that was the first thing that I really um, could feel, you know, when I listened to it, how open and warm mm-hmm. the sound mm-hmm. was. You know, it sounded excellent. As soon as you told me that, you know, it was analog, I was like, <laughs> that makes all the sense mm-hmm. in the world now. That's why it sounded so good and, and yeah, warm man. and earthy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, shout out, shout out to shout him out to for Scott. that for sure. 
Yeah, man. So the first track on the album is called The, the Shift. Shift. Yeah. So talk about the shift that kind of, you know, pushed the album. Because there's a, mm -hmm. there's, I know there's a layered meaning to why you even titled yeah, it The yeah, Shift. Yeah. Um, For me, it was just the natural. I, I It's like, I think for me, like phrases kind of jump out at me and I just hold on to them. I feel like saying the shift can encompass this whole year. Like what Indeed. has it, what has occurred is yeah. a massive shift in consciousness, in awareness. Um, you know, people physically, people are a lot of everybody's like trying to get healthier, like everybody. Right, right. Um, people are like loving each it's like a little, it's different. Like I feel like there's a different kind of bond we are as humans and people who truly have survived to this point there's like mm -hmm. a different kind of it's a shift things are different now like yeah. yeah i can say that confidently more than i ever been have been able to in my lifetime then right now things are different there's a shift that has occurred um mm -hmm. now that's one layer of it and for me in particular it was speaking to the murder of george floyd um like i yeah. said it was it was it was a pivotal moment in my life, something I'll never forget. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, man, that shit broke me down, man. You know what I mean? Like, it did all of us, you know what I mean? But it was just heavy for me, and I knew the world would never be the same. The, the thing that hit me, well, one of the things that hit me the hardest was Ghana. They did a tribute in Ghana mm -hmm. to George Floyd, and Mm -hmm. you know I didn't really get into it like that and maybe we can you know if not that's cool too but like my yeah. upbringing I've traveled to Ghana a lot and going to Ghana is where I realized that I was African-American mm -hmm. that as much as I would like to look at myself as I'm an African I'm a, of African descent but I'm right. an African who lives and was born and raised in America, which makes me a very specific mm -hmm. thing that I won't yes. deny or reject. Absolutely um, not. So in Africa, I, I've often encountered, you know, scenarios where they let you know that we are not the same people. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. Cause I'm not going to be getting down if anybody who's african will hear this they know the vibes <laughs> like they know i'm not like mm -hmm. they know right, right. so for me because it does happen yeah, for sure and for me um seeing the way they paid tribute to this guy i was like whoa seeing africans stand up for an african-american in that way was something that i hadn't seen it in that way before somebody gonna maybe watch this and be like you crazy you know my mother all right cool but for me, I had never seen it that way before. And I saw this thing. Uh, my father sent it to me on WhatsApp. It was the memorial. And they had the traditional singers singing the songs, the morning songs. And mm -hmm. doing singing appellations to George Floyd, you know, praising his him. him. And um, they were playing those wooden flutes. And the melody that they played, it was just like, it was so, once again, it encompassed the whole moment musically. Like you can mm -hmm. feel the grief in the melody that they were playing. And it was like some ancient shit, right? 
But at the same, t- the thing about it is that's why if you listen to it with headphones on, you hear in one ear the a Ghanaian woman chanting, and then the other ear you hear a woman in Queens crying and 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 you know giving the speech. My sister Amy, um, not my blood sister, but my sister, like show that this is happening across the world, right? And there's this very specific connection that's happening. There's a reconnection that's happening between mm-hmm. continental Africans and African-Americans. And I wanted to kind of exemplify that, you know, in the music. That whole, this whole track, The Shift, for me is an audio collage of the summer of 2020. So mm-hmm. I don't know about in Tallahassee, but in New York City, there was like a month period where it was just like fireworks going off 24 hours a day. Like mm-hmm. literally 24 hours a day, four or five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, constant like big, big fireworks going off. And it was driving. We had it, but it wasn't. But it wasn't like constant. No, like it, was, it would happen it was, like it a was, certain time in the evening. It got bad in New York City. Like that's crazy. It was all type. Of, cats was coming up with all kinds of conspiracy theories about why it's happening and stuff like that. I don't know why it was happening, but I know it was happening, and it was annoying. And there was there was at least one night where I lost sleep because of it because they were shooting off huge fireworks at four and five o'clock in the morning to like eight o'clock in the morning for whatever reason. It just happened twenty five hours a day. So if you listen to the album, the first thing you hear is fireworks um, on the shift, the song the shift. First thing you hear is fireworks. So for me, that's just my way of kind of put placing you in the summer of 2020. Because I feel like anybody, mm-hmm. especially from New York, from my neighborhood, it's one of those things that was just like pervasive. For me, I was on social media. Everybody's like, yo, what's up with the fireworks? What the hell's going on with the fireworks? What's going on with the fireworks? And it was it. Well, another thing about it is symbolically, the fireworks to me represent like just like perpetual upheaval. Like as soon as you get settled, it's like more fireworks kind of mm-hmm. knocking you off your, you know. And yeah, so it also yeah, that's yeah. what there's also symbolism there of what fireworks represent. Um, but so it's like saying the same thing across the waters, but black people, African people globally, have have. Are, are in mourning and recognizing that this is too much. And then, you know, to me, it's not a coincidence that the, the voice that is given the speech on both ends are women, um, mm-hmm. Black women. I wanted to kind of intentionally censor Black women's voices because they are the leaders of this movement. So I wanted to paint an accurate picture right in in reality mm-hmm. black women are the ones leading the way you can even hear it on the sh- on the on the shift there's things that happen unintentionally that still um are symbolic you hear amy giving her speech and then you hear <laughs> giving like black men in the background like yo facts we in the middle of jamaica queens so it's still hood <laughs> you know what i mean but it's like still there's that kind of like I got your back 
Now me, I'm here to support you. You are the leader, but just know I'm here if you need me in, in the role of support. I feel like that's also exemplified on, on that song, The Shift. And you, towards the end of it, you hear another sister, my homegirl, Tunisia Morrison, who's um, the chief of staff for my local assembly person uh, in Queens. Um, but she's also just a homegirl of mine. She was she was the one who organized the march. Um, and at the, at the end of the, of the track, The Shift, you hear the chant, which is, I don't know if it's just a New York street, uh, a New York pro- protest chant or not, but the who streets, our streets, who streets, our streets. Um, and then literally what happened in that, because because what you can't see, because the, the clip is a video. It's actually a video and I ripped the audio. So in the video, which I'll post one day um, or something or use for something one day, uh, Amy's in the center giving a speech and everybody's around her kneeling. We all just took a knee. We're at Sean Bell Way. This is where this is happening. So I don't know if you remember remember Sean Bell got shot 51 mm-hmm. times. So mm-hmm. that's that was in Queens. He was a Queens person. So they named the street after him, Sean Bell Way. So the hour march that day for George Floyd ended uh at Sean Bell Way. So this 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 is where the speech is happening. We're all on on uh kneeling, and then Tunisia gets up, she says, Who streets our streets? Who streets our streets? Everybody stands up and we keep going. So the women are literally leading the way um, in this moment. So it was just like, so I'm experiencing all of this in real time. It was just like, whoa, like, I can't believe this is happening right now. We we were marching down Jamaica Avenue. We were marching down, um, you know, hillside in the middle of the street. You know what I mean? Um, and the cops came, they were, you know, they, they, they were slowly moving behind us. It was tons of cops. Um, even Amy, when she's giving that speech, she's talking to the police. Mm-hmm. So if you're hearing that, that audio from the, from the shift, she's talking to the police. She's not talking to us. Um, right. She's saying, how dare you work for an organization that uh, are murderers? How dare you? We don't live in Westchester. We don't live, in, you know, she's naming these neighborhoods. Like we live in Hollis. We live in Southside. You hear us. It's just, it's just a real moment. You know what I mean? It's a very, very real moment, which is why I was like, I hit her up personally. I'm like, listen, you know, I was there. You saw me. We were there together. You know, I have nothing but good intentions. Like, how do you feel about me using this for a piece of art? She's an artist. She's a painter. Um, mm-hmm. So a visual artist, I'll, I'll say. So she was just like, wow, yes, please, yes, do it. So thankfully, you know, she was she was okay with it. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a it was a it was a deep moment. But yeah, then we all kind of went to the next location. Um, and that's when, you know, on the album, Riding for Big Floyd comes and it really represents that. So it's called Riding for Big Floyd symbolizes the legions, everybody coming out. So the shift happens, then we riding. Now it's time to ride. Now all the people are in the streets. That's what the, the song kind of, it starts mm-hmm. off with the um, cymbal crash. And then the, the just the dr- dr- like a drum roll and the melody. The, and the melody is um, played by Erwin Hall on alto saxophone. 
<clears throat> and it also it, the melody is like the town crier, right? That's what it represents to me. Like, like, hey, everybody, let's go. We riding for Big Floyd, right? That's mm-hmm. what it kind of symbolizes to me. And the solo, him soloing, is just like almost like spiritual. How he, how he approached it, um, and he's tapped in. You know, you know, Irwin is is was one of them dudes. So he um he went there. Everybody who listens to that to that, everybody's like, yo, who is that? Who is that? Everybody's like, who is that? Who is that? The people who know know about Irwin. Um, but everybody was like, yo, who? But who is that on 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 the um on the solo solo on the on the horn in the beginning of this song i'm like that's erwin and that's what it was it's mm-hmm. very melodic and beautiful but i wanted to you know i told him like this is you rallying the troops the once the melody comes in on that song it's like the battle like we're in the battle now the the, the but we're and we're triumphant and then the end of the song is us kind of leaving the battlefield going on to the next battle that's what Ride of a Big Floyd is to me. It's like I, I wrote on my page when I posted it, it it's, it's a score of the people protesting in the streets, um, like the organized protests and, and so on and so forth. Talk about the ti- that title. Yeah. Why, why that title? I already, I'm already like a super student of like blackness, like history, black culture. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to like get answers as to why we are where we are and how we can improve ourselves. That's like one of the things that's like literally fun for me. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I'm mm-hmm. into. Um, comes from my dad, I think. My mother was probably like that too, but um, yeah, that's my family. We into that, like African history, black history, and just like things that, that kind of give us some, some sense of direction about what can happen next in the future. Cause that's what I look at history as like a cheat mm-hmm. code for what's about to happen next. You know, nihilism is this kind of idea that nothing matters. There's no point to existence. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's, I think it's akin to the anarchist uh, ideology. Um, so he, I don't know if he coined this phrase or not, but he, um, I heard him say the black nihilism, um, mm-hmm. and man, it just rung true to me in that moment, and it also sounded like a thing, like there's something there. Like that's how that's why I always say like certain phrases will jump out out at me, and I'll be like, that's a thing. I don't know what it is, but that is a thing. I'm gonna store it, right? Um, so he said black nihilism, and the thing, and it made me want to do some research. And it, to me, what that term encompassed is like, you know, I, I heard people talking about like, why, how would you, or why would you burn down your own neighborhood, right? Or your own grocery store or your own, um, you know, shopping centers and malls or whatever. Part of it is like, we, we can give it this kind of like conscious, oh, you know, we don't own anything and stuff like that, but I don't know if, if that's as, as much as it's really just a I don't give a fuck about nothing type of type of energy, right? Like, like what um to me what what a black nihilism would feel like, you know what I mean? This kind of idea of like, right? Did, I have no future, so why would my past matter or even the present? 
like nothing matters. I have no foreseeable um, sense, uh, no foreseeable um, like route to freedom or peace or or wealth or you know anything great. And you know the truth of the matter is, if you grew up in the in the hood for real, you know there's people who really think like that. They don't have any kind of dreams or hopes or desires. They just kind of live in day to day, you know what I mean? And I identify with it because I don't feel like that, but I just, I feel that. Like, I feel how someone can be brought to that point. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to burn down something in my neighborhood, but if somebody did, I'm not going to be like, you're a savage or an animal. I'm going to know that that comes from something. And to me, it comes from this sense of black nihilism that comes mm. from the oppression that we have had to sustain um, for so long. It makes you hopeless. It, you know, what What does it matter if I burn this shit down? What does it matter if I go to jail? What does it matter if I kill somebody? What does it matter if I die? Like mm. nothing matters, right? Like there's no point to any of this. So we have to, I feel like it's important to acknowledge that that frame of mind exists in the, in the hood. I knew I wanted to do something based around that concept, Black Nihilism is just me and Morgan. That's the only two people on that song. Right. Um, it's a duet. And I was like, man, I got this idea for this, for, based on this concept, Black Nihilism. He was like, wow. And we talked about it in the, in the like, you know, the booth. And he's like, man, I think I got, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna just go get on the drum set and just follow me. Get on bass and just follow me. And that's what he did. I went and I played this kind of like punk rock kind of straight forward. Right. To me, it was like rock. That's what I was thinking about. But also like 70, so like boom, it was like 70s rock jazz fusion. Like, like mm-hmm. that was my that was my influence behind that, the sound that that took on. Um, I'm not saying that I had in any way comparable to him, but I was listening to a lot of Billy Cobham, uh, who's a great jazz drummer, one of the greatest drummers to ever live, who's still alive and well. I actually saw him at the Blue Note last <laughs> last year with my aunt. I got an autographed CD from him, all of that. Um, he's also a Panamanian, which is dope. Um, oh, nice. Some of that 70s stuff he was doing inspired the vibe for Black Nihilism drum-wise. Mm-hmm. And um what 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 about his style made you want to approach He fused song rock like and, and jazz uh in the 70s really nicely. Um with mm-hmm. with drumming. He had like the double 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 drum uh bass drum pedals and he was um really ferocious, you know what I mean, with his playing. He could tip and swing and do everything that anybody else could do, but I I I love the kind of power and over overwhelming power and kind of like unapologetic like gangster way that he was that he approached the drums and energy so I wanted to kind of encompass that this kind of like driving force but also I wanted to express the the rage the anger the despair the nihilism mm-hmm. um you know that it, that was in the air during this time I wanted to express that on the drums I spoke to Morgan about it. He he got it immediately. 
um, he what he played on the bass really complimented and like served. He made that song because melodically I had nothing. All I had was a was a direction and a rhythmic con and, and a and a drum concept a little bit. But Black Nihilism mm-hmm. is entirely improvised. Mm. I just like I said, I just got behind a drum and just kind of just follow my instincts and just was in the moment and just went with it. And so was Morgan. He, when he played on the bass, like I said, really complimented what I was playing. We were just like really in tune. It was our first time ever playing together too. Wow. I never really like built with him or have had a full conversation with him. Yeah. So this was just based off of like just musicianship. We just locked in. We, we spoke the same musical language. Um, mm-hmm. And it shows you the power of black music because we have these 15 damn near years apart. But he knew exactly where I was going with the soulful kind of vibes and the black music vibes that like he was right in there. Like, you know, what I mean, it's like, let you know, the music is alive and well. Trust me, anybody watching mm-hmm. and listening to this, the music yeah. is alive and well. It just needs your support. You have to buy albums. You have to go out and see shows. You have to buy merch. You have to engage with the arts and these mm-hmm. artists because they're here and they're killing is in this young kid killing, that's killing playing black ass music, 19, 20, 21 yep. year old kids. Like, so, you know, yeah. Which uh, is exactly why, why I even am, am, am doing the show. Mm-hmm. Cause it is, you know, the radio kind of had everybody spoiled. It kind of right, spoon fed right. you every little thing years ago, but now, you know, you got to, you know, do like back in the day with hip hop, you know, where people could only listen to hip hop on the radio, like one or two days right, a week, right? you know, on only on certain radio stations. So it's like that now where you got to go seek it and search it. And, you know, everybody's trying to do everything like peer to peer now, right. you know, they're trying to take middlemen out and just go straight to customer, mm-hmm. you know, and the internet is helping us be able to do that. We just got to maximize it and we got to, that's right that's right for real man you got to support right so after black nihilism is uh a soya Mm -hmm. so a soya uh came from uh oluwatoyin um pastor was 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 murdered and that was and this was like in the midst of everything that's going on it was just like it that shit just hurt me so bad i'm like this 19 year old girl 20 i think she might have been 20 young Mm -hmm. girl and it's like i and this is just after me had just been out in the streets on the front line seeing as mostly women and overwhelmingly black women that were out here in these marches it was like drastically more black women than anything Mm -hmm. and that to me was not a coincidence it's just the way it's always been you know what i mean um and it's like for, and I'm listening to black women tell me and tell us that we need any more. We need to do better. And in the midst of that, this girl gets killed, you know, mm-hmm. by by this black man. Allegedly, you know, they arrested somebody, you know. You know, I guess you never know, but that's what it looks like. You know what I mean? And yeah. It just hurt. And that happened here in my city. Yeah, right, you right, know? right. Yeah here in my city that happened right around the corner actually you know they found her body there five minute walk from you know where I am so I mean so when I heard that on the album of course I had a very um 
visceral response mm-hmm. to that, you know, hearing her voice, you know, because I, I, you know, as the, and you'll hear it in the album, as the album goes on, there's a lot of dialogue that happens in the album, but it's, you know, clips of, as he was talking about people in protests, people yeah. at marching, yeah. you know, marches, and then there's, uh, you know, we'll talk about it on the next mm-hmm. track, you know, the dialogue between Nikki Giovanni mm-hmm. and um, James Baldwin. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of dialogue going on. So when I heard um, Oluwatoyin's voice, mm-hmm. I was like shook for a second. I was like, I know yeah. that. I know I know who that, I know what that right, is, right. you know. She started talking about, you know, kind of things that were happening mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, but it's a universal mm-hmm. thing. Like we, you've, you've been mentioning in the, this entire talk, you know, mm-hmm. there's a connection. Yeah. And so even though this happened in, in, in my mm-hmm. city, it was Man, resonating it. with, the spirit of the time and, and, and what people have been, it was timely, you know, it it's, it's the new, the new expression, the new expression of the times. Um, it was just amazing that in the midst of this conversation about black women saying, we don't feel protected or, or we don't feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. This, this, this happens to this, to this young lady. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, I came across her, the speech she did right before she got murdered. And I'm just watching how she's talking. I'm like, man, this girl was fearless and mm-hmm. was, a, was a force, a powerful person and had a great yeah. perspective. Um, and the things she said in, in, in the speech were just like so simply stated and kind of universally true to me as far as I'm concerned. Um, and the thing that stuck out to me, she was like, I can't, I can't change my skin. So I'm gonna die about it. I'll die about my skin. Um, and, I, and then she got murdered like the next, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was like the next day or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was definitely within a yeah. few days. For so sure. I was just like, it just, it just struck me like, man, this, this warrior, you know what I mean? We lost a warrior. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like in any village, when you lose a great warrior, there has to be a tribute of some kind. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to bring her voice into the project. So I wanted to make sure it was incorporated into the into the into the work some way. Listen to the to that song. It start you hear water, and then you hear like the water drumming, which is um, a clip I found on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, of the we talked yeah. about that because i saw as soon as i heard it i knew exactly mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. it was with the sisters on the continent yeah. and it was in the river and the beat was yeah jamming. you know because you know i'm a drummer yeah so that shit like mm. caught my ear i was like yo first of all i can't do this <laughs> like i don't know how to do this this is like cosmic this shit that they're doing like how do you learn how to do this with how does this happen like they're killing it it was just like it, it was it was just incredible to me um the the beat was incredible and the technique what they were doing how they were trying to do it was mind-blowing it occurred to me because I, when i think of water i think of women um mm-hmm. to me that's synonymous um that's like kind of universally even outside of africa just everywhere in the world that's kind of like the personification of women women always personified through water so I, I felt like it was symbolic for these African women playing, you know, working the water in this way to be like the score for this sister, you know, talking. And 
I also I had contemplated like adding some other musical elements to it to kind of pretty it up. But then I thought about that too. Like, no, this needs to just be the water drumming and her whole speech that exists. Um, Cause it could be more to it, but the whole speech that's on the internet, I'm not, I'm not cutting it. Uh, this is going to be the whole thing. And it's just going to be her voice and it's water drumming because to me, it, it, it makes you have to sit still and listen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to, to what she's exactly saying, right? As opposed to just like being triggered and kind of just like, you know, and you see it, this this title, like, oh, this is a African, wow, I wonder what this is. So you're going to want to listen to that. And then when you get to it, it's like, this is now listen. Because you saw this and scrolled past it. Now you have to listen, really. Because mm-hmm. you now you've been listening to the album so far and you don't know what's going to come next. You know what I mean? You don't know. So you're like, maybe maybe like a, a drum beat's going to come in at some point or maybe a, a saxophone's going to come in at some point. Like, So you're just listening. And then <clears throat> I, th- I feel like by the time you're finished listening to it, you get the gravity of what she said and how she said it. It was just like, I don't know. I just, I, that shit hit me and struck me. And I just wanted to like showcase that moment. You yeah. know what I mean? You wanted to give it room yeah, to breathe, yeah. you know? So if it's just like, man, it's just this water and the speech and that's it. Yes, that's a, that's the song. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And when I go out and I'm able to play this music live, I want to play that. Like, you know I mean, just have a moment where that's played just out and that's the tune. It be played over mm-hmm. the sound system. Because I, I feel like it's important for us to never forget what happened to this sister. So even though it's uncomfortable, we need to constantly be, well, not constantly, but we need to, we just, we can't forget. We can't forget because we are doomed Word. to repeat what we forget. Yeah, yeah. So Asoya is a goddess, is a, is a deity right. from from Ghana. Um, and so that's why I wanted to connect her with this Black divinity um feminine divinity so i feel like now and you know in our culture and our thing we believe that if you pass away in this noble way you'll be exalted to a divine state mm-hmm. right like yeah. you're not just a regular person because you were sacrificed in this way you are now a divine spirit not just uh you know we're all divine but you're an elevated spirit you're a deity now you're deified so that's what right, i'm right. you know on the slide trying to really not on the slide but like subtly trying to propose that this we are now she's you are an angel now uh to mm-hmm. speak you wanted to elevate yeah. her and her name lift yeah. her up lift her energy and her spirit up and that moved into uh and mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> tokwa is a tree where it means fight or struggle right mm-hmm. so when I say that, people often like, yeah, the fight, struggle, but it's like, it, yes, but it's not the fight against oppression. It's the fight or struggle that exists in the Black family um, mm-hmm. that has existed for a long time, um, <clears throat> which is a, which is another, like, you know, thing I wanted to do out, uh, to, to say throughout the whole album, which is that a lot of these problems that we are facing we have been facing for a long time and there are people who have answers for us and they are ancestors often. And here's a mm-hmm. clip of Kwame Ture, right? 
dropping quantity rate telling you don't be discouraged and struggle right like it's like because we have to stay on our path for instance right um but so on the song on 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 in Tokwa, which the the process of that the first thing that came was the rhythm so if you listen to the song there's african drumming it's, it's a it's a it's in the way that I did it. I don't think there's very many people that have done it before. Drums from Northern Ghana, and but the, these drums exist all throughout West Africa. But the drums called brekete, brekete, in Nigeria they call it begbe, begbe, and they call it um, dondon, dondon, the talking drum. In Ghana they call them dono and brekete. So I was playing brekete and dono and some shakers on this and I created the rhythm. I composed these different rhythmic parts that interact with each other um, mm-hmm. from scratch. So if you hear it, it sounds like a traditional rhythm and it is, it's a rhythm from out of my tradition, right? And the, the point of that is I, I grew up playing folklore, folkloric music. And one of the um, things that is consistent and folklore is um, mi- making music, rhythms, sam- songs, dances that connect to a, a specific event is the score for that time, right? And then there's also, of course, rhythms that are played when you go into war. There's rhythms that are played when somebody dies. There's a rhythm that I that mm. I that I learned called Penini Kum Penini Jani from the Ashanti region. It's a Kete rhythm, a music called Kete. This is the music that they play in the royal court when someone's being executed. Doesn't matter how severe or or brutal or violent or peaceful or beautiful or ugly or whatever. There's always some there's music a rhythm for that goes mm-hmm. with it. In particular, the drums. So yeah. what were you trying to, what were you conveying with the rhythm that you created for this so track? So to me, it was, if you listen to it, it's um, it's like back and forth between a man and a woman. And then there's children, a child. So it's three drums, um, parts. Uh, the the constant part is the brekete, boom, boom, ba-boom, boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. So that's the bracketed part. The woman's voice goes back and forth. It's going back and forth, right? And then there's another drum. The small drum is. I can't sing all three at the same time. Right, right. 
if you when you hear it layered together you hear it's all kind of like cyclically weaving in together and it represents the family unit mama papa mama papa the uh smaller smallest you know is plain which represents the child right mm. so that's what i wanted to convey is this family unit and the push and pull the tug and pull that exists but still works together so and so why did i even want to make that in the first place was because i have been watching like i said it before on the track before about black women saying that they weren't feel they didn't feel safe with us and not feeling protected by us i'm not saying so somebody may say i don't feel like that and it's like okay so you don't <laughs> but it was like right. enough there was a significant amount it was enough for me to be like okay what's going on like let me really listen to to what these sisters are saying because like you know on the flip side of it as men we say we don't feel seen by you you hear sister nikki giovanni clearly best um you know james baldwin in the in the in in the debate uh, which is essentially to me the point she came to was just like yeah you've been through a lot i know i get it but we need you to do more and better try harder i've been trying try harder so to me i'm just presenting the debate and like I said, you hear her best him, but then you also hear him make some some valid points. Some salient you know points, I mean? like, right, right, right. Um, that and the yeah. thing about it is, is I, I say all the time, like a lot of these gendered discussions are not really suitable for social media. Mm -hmm. You know, where you're not in this physical space with somebody, you're not in their energy you're not able to read body language and energy you're not able to like listen to what someone's saying and tune mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. like people are just reading stuff and texting back yeah, and just wanting yeah. to just respond instead of really having an understanding yeah. so i really appreciated you putting the that that such a long and, now, and, was, and yeah. layered clip mm -hmm. in so that people can hear this is how you're able yes. to um disagree peacefully mm -hmm. and give your point of view on something and then allow somebody else to say something and let them give their point of view. And then you both come back with a deeper understanding instead of just trying to one up somebody in the comments mm -hmm. or well y'all did and you ain't and mm -hmm. he didn't and she did, you know, it gets real ugly real fast. Absolutely. And, you know, I appreciated that as an example mm -hmm. that, you know, we're not going to see eye to eye right, on everything, right. which is not, it doesn't matter what type of, relationship you know, whether you're talking about romantically whether you're talking about just community interpersonal mm -hmm. engagement mm -hmm. business relationships i mean it doesn't matter yeah really uh, you're gonna get to a point where there's gonna be that you know mm -hmm. there's gonna that mm -hmm. energy is gonna be you know and there's a little bit of angst yeah. on that track yeah. too you know so you can feel that push and mm -hmm. pull of that energy which is natural yes. by the way that that's my point my point is like this is this was going on 50 years ago mm. this discussion was happening 50 years ago and it's happening today and it will probably be happening 50 years from now because of the nature of men and women and how they differ that's what i think right this is my two cents now i'm just kind of injecting my opinion a little bit because the art is what it is but you know to inject my opinion a little bit i feel like we'll never be fully satisfied with each other 
but we are mm. here for each other right like we were made for each other <laughs> truly right like that you know however you want to see that um so we have to figure it out like there has to be a, a way to um figure it out right we have to coexist yeah. and more than that we have to love each other we we, we mm-hmm. have to like you know what i mean and the like, way that we do that yeah. is we have to have those yeah. conversations that they had and we have to have them loving exactly rooted in love and respect rooted in love and respect because even though they were you know the their back and forth was intense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it was an yes. intense engagement but nobody was yeah. being called out of their name Nobody was hitting the jugular and going below the belt. So in their exchange and and in the track, you know, did you did you express any resolution? Did you feel that there was any resolution or? Well, yeah, in that resolution in that, like I said before, we are made for each other, need each Mm -hmm. other. And there's I wanted the music to sound like love. So I knew I wanted to score this lovingly and not just like romantic love but just love for one another because that's the that's what we need is just love not necessarily romance it's not pretty and cute like it's just like you know bell hooks talks about it like you know love is like not eating shit you're not supposed to eat love is discipline like you know what i mean like taking care of yourself taking care of business because you love yourself you do the best for yourself. The the instrumentation I chose, which was this tenor saxophone and alto flute, um, I wanted it to have this kind of airy, breathy feel. And I wanted, if you listen to the music, scoring it, they're kind of mimicking. They're not playing to the audio clip, by the way. They didn't even know any audio clip was going to be added to the track. They're in the studio mm. just playing over each other. But I told them the concept. I'm like, okay, this, I want you tenor. I want you to represent the male voice, alto flute. I want you to represent the female voice. And I want you guys to interact musically and then revisit, revisit the melody and go back and kind of play, talk to each other. It's like an argument. Um, it's, if it starts off kind of playful and then it gets kind of dark. If you listen to the track towards the end, the piano kind of shifts into this kind of confused place. The melody is kind of like fluttering. There's clearly some, some discord. In Tokwa. In And so uh the project finishes out with Promised mm-hmm, Land. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love that. Mm-hmm. Cause it, you know, the it, it takes you in. You starting off with the fireworks, mm-hmm, boom, jarring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and he's taking you through this journey, through this movement, through the streets. Mm-hmm. He's taking you from, you know, bird's eye view mm-hmm. to okay, now we're person Mm -hmm. to person Mm -hmm. here shoulder to shoulder arms locked you know what i'm saying together Mm -hmm. so we go through this journey and then promised land is at the end you know so it's is it is it a is it prophetic is it i hope so is it you know yeah you know even that song that song came the night before um the studio session i didn't have i didn't have that song the night before i the melody came to me that ba 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 da da ba that came to me the night before Morgan and and um Urban were like what else you got man we got because we had like two or three more hours 
because I had like an mm-hmm, eight-hour mm-hmm. day. Um, so I was like, they was like, man, you can get a whole another song. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you know what? I did come up with this last night. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't, I didn't have any name for it yet. Um, it was completely just a musical idea that I that I that came to me and I wrote it. I played it for them. They was like, oh, that's that's cool. Like I like that. I'm like, yeah. They're like, yeah, that's dope. So I'm like, all right, cool. So let's let's go lay it down. So similar situation. I went and got on the drums. <laughs> Morgan got on the bass, and I just went. You know what I mean? We just went. followed our instincts I knew like I wanted a, a kind of like triumphant kind of sound and mm-hmm. I know I wanted to I didn't I still wasn't thinking promised land yet though I just knew I wanted something funky and just like I, I'm not lying I didn't know anything I just I was following my instincts the entire time and it was feeling good so I just stuck with it I didn't, I wasn't trying to like do something cool. It was literally just like yeah. following my instincts, following my instincts. Oh, yeah. this sounds good. Let's go. Yeah. I got time. I have, I'm in yeah. the playground right now as a musician. Like I'm just here creating. I'm not putting any pressure on myself. There's no label or A&R or producer over my shoulder. Like, no, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We, we got, you want to do that? Like I'm, I'm in control. So I'm like, I feel like doing this. I'm going to do it. Um, And it's going to make the music sound cool. So <laughs> We did, and it sounded really, really good. And um, Morgan originally laid piano on this too, so he played bass and piano and uh, tenor saxophone originally. And excuse me, and um, Irwin played alto sax. I wanted that horn sound. I wanted that kind of big sound, no flute or nothing like that. I wanted a big sound. And eventually, I, when mm-hmm. we do it live, I'm gonna have a trumpet player really give it that kind of like punch. That, that I want right um, yeah and so we laid the, just the music and I remember it was like um what are you gonna call it and I was like I don't know vibe it's called a big vibe so we named it big vibe <laughs> and Morgan who played piano one he's like yo I do not like my piano piano because he's you know he's a multi-instrumentalist but piano is probably one of the least lesser of his instruments so he, I get it I know how that feels when you do something and you're like I'm mm-hmm. not really comfortable with that He's like, man, you need to get Julius to go replay that because I'm not really comfortable mm-hmm. with it. I was like, all right, I got you. Uh, I booked this. I booked the session for 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 Julius to recut the piano a week later. Over the course of that week, the concept and lyrics for the Promised Land showed up. A lot of this music from this album is directly connected to me watching a bunch of videos and interviews and stuff and just doing research essentially. And I came across King in the Wilderness. Have you seen that documentary? It's, it's, mm, it's about the last so. days of, of Dr. Martin Luther King and how Americans and black Americans and people wasn't fucking with him and they didn't was, was disagreeing with a lot of his points and stuff like that. And he, when he, when he got murdered, um, he was not the most popular he had ever been. He was getting older 
young, you know, Stokely and them was on his head. You know what I mean? Like after watching the whole documentary and seeing that speech happen the night before them detailing how he was in bed, sick, he had a cold. Um, he didn't want to come out, pulled him out of his sick bed to come there and give that speech. And that's what he came up, came out with. This shit was just pure mm-hmm. and just thunderous. And he, it was just magic. You know what I mean? So it inspired me. That type of shit inspires me. So I've also been getting into this, uh, the Afrofuturist ideas. And I did a play last, 2019, last summer, uh, with his sister Ebony Noel Golden called 125th and Freedom. That's a post-revolutionary um, world. Like what happens after we get our freedom? What does the world look like in a way? That's one aspect mm-hmm. of it. So this whole right. kind of idea of, and there's a lot of Black creatives that are approaching this idea of free Black people. What does the world look like when we get free? Like we, we saying we want to get free, we want to get free. So what does it look like when we get free? So trying to, and and that's what it takes, right? That radical imagination. Um, so to me, that's what Promised Land uh, represents. I, I call on that iconography, the black church iconography and, mm-hmm. and you know, some symbolism and what, what it represents because it's important. It's, it's a huge part of our experience, yeah. my family, it's from the South on my mother's side. Like I said, my aunt, I grew up in the house of my aunt's gifts. Like I'm not anti-Christianity or anti-Black Christians or anti-Black church, even though it's some shit with it, but that's the thing. Until you experience all these different places you, is when you realize there's some shit with everything. There's no place you can right. go where there's not some sick people, some wicked people. Like that's that's just people, right? Like you're not going to escape that. So, like I said, somebody like Dr. Martin Luther King, his legacy can be so directly attributed to his Black church upbringing. And what mm-hmm. it meant for him to take on this task was, was and, and up until his death, he's calling on God. He's always returning to, to God in the church. So that's significant. You know what I mean? Even though I'm not Christian, I will, I'm a Black. For, you know what I mean? Like, first and so i i honor that and i and so that's what promised land is it's my slide in the family stone meets jubilee singers meets it's hip-hop and everything that i do because that's you know the core of a lot of what i do um for sure but yeah i just wanted to give some kind of celebratory vibes it's, it, it gives it gives the shift direction right you know, it, it gives shift the shift the very first mm-hmm. track a, a place yeah. to go. You know, where are you shifting mm-hmm. to? You know, to the promised land. Right. But we got to go through this and this and this and this before we're able to get, you know, to the promised mm-hmm. land. And so that's why I like the vibe of that song so much because it's um because the the rest of the album is very. Um, it's beautiful to listen to, but it's very pensive. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. th- th- there's some angst yeah, in there. Yeah. There's push and pull of energy. So it's almost like at the very end with Promised Land, you get to kind of mm-hmm, <sighs> get to kind of exhale mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, take your you know take your shoes off, yeah, dance a little bit. So. Very warm and 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 loving mm-hmm. vibes. You know, to let everybody know we that you know, whatever right. struggle, yeah. yeah, whatever struggle, and and, be and that's why. I chose that um, Stokely clip 
to also it's like okay we're gonna make it but we have to stay steadfast and that's the overarching theme of the whole album nation time the whole the the, the title of it nation time is, is is something that i grew up hearing people ask me if i was if it was from um somebody asked me if it was from joe mcphee who's a saxophone player who came up with an album called nation time obviously a mary baraka has famous poem and album um it's nation time revolutionary african people's music i think or something like that um but no, I didn't even know about, especially the Joe McPhee album. I knew about Mary Baraka's poem. I didn't know about the album before I came up with it. But Nation Time was just a phrase that I grew up hearing all the time. Like how I grew up, ain't it? Certain things just kind of seep into your subconscious or conscious or whatever. Um, so, and it, to me, it, what it always meant was like, it's time to, to unify and get our shit together and get on one accord and get it rocking. You know what I mean? So, to me, that's what this time signifies. It's like, let's come together. Let's love each other and let's figure out a way to forge forward because we are, it's going down. Like, you know what I mean? In, in, in many ways, like it's going down in the streets, it's going down in the boardrooms, it's going down. Uh, that's the thing, like this revolution has been like kind of transferred to every aspect of our lives. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on, Every time I open up my phone, it's like some some you know there's a whole movement of of people who are at the bottom of the totem pole <laughs> going at like I'm mean, the, the the children like the kids at Berkeley School of Music they the Black Student Union put out this whole thing about demanding black faculty demanding black studies d- demanding a more expansive look into the black experience in jazz and in music like I mean this is like I said evoking a kind of universal black thing. Like as much as, you know, I'm a follower of African tradition in many ways, including spiritually, I'm a black American, right? And like that, a pastor giving a good sermon affects me too. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Indeed. so um, that's why I want to, and that will affect, to be frank, more people because there's more people that will identify with that. Yeah. We were playing revolts in churches. Right, right, right. You know, there was so I'm I'm I appreciate that uh, you know, you for saying that. Um, uh, because that is that is the tradition. Mm-hmm. It's to it's the the tradition. And um I really would love to to see more of that, mm-hmm. you know, revolutionary black nationalist mm-hmm. Christian thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, people think it sounds contradictory, but you know, Harriet was boogieing right. with, with, with the That's Lord. Right. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. You know what I mean? And my ancestors, yeah. like I honor my ancestors. And to be honest, absolutely, all of them were Christian. Hello? My father and mother were the first generation of people who was just like, no, we're not rocking with the church. You know what I mean? And neither one of my grandparents were like very religious um they were christian because everybody is but they weren't very very religious um my grandparents on either right. side right um but at the same time their parents probably were very religious and their parents probably were very religious because that's all we had right, was right. religion that's it so so for somebody who is just running across your album what what can they expect from it what can they expect? I have no idea what anybody can expect. 
I know that I want to provide a healthy escape. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I want to provide a healthy escape, right? I want to just be honest. The number one priority right. is to be honest and trust the vision that's coming to me. Trust the messages that's coming to me. Trust it. Let it come through me. Don't judge it. Just let it happen and, and become. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, this is the work. How do I produce it and make it palatable for people? I want you to be able to come inside of a world. I feel like if you put the headphones on, press play and don't skip or stop or fast forward or rewind anything and just let it play straight through. You have no choice, but and then you're listening. <laughs> you have no choice, but to be kind of transported someplace emotionally, at least. Um, I wanted to create an experience for people to feel their feelings mm-hmm. and um, to provoke thought, maybe uncomfortable if you feel that, that's cool. Why? Maybe now you'll ask questions as to why. And, or maybe you yeah. feel like this, uh, this resonates with me so much. I feel healed by it. Maybe um, you feel inspired. You know what I mean? Maybe you feel angry. You know, you feel the need to reject it. Mm-hmm. That's okay too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I want just people to reimagine themselves or reimagine the way the world is. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just want people to feel things. <laughs> Were and what what conversations did you want people to have? Well, I know I wanted to to have people take a look at the condition of Black America in our in our streets in our in our ghettos. The police presence in our neighborhood sometimes comes to our aid and defense, but oftentimes is is there to brutalize and demean and abuse us, something has to give. The former editor, Ebony, said, America has to face itself through Black people or go under. And to me, that's that's it. That's the time we're living in. Like, y'all better get it together and, and do something to reverse the evil that you've done or we're burning the shit to the ground, brick by brick. And yeah, of course, the conversations about the eternal African man and African woman and child, like, the Black family union, how can we improve and, and heal and love each other and, and, and right, be with right, each other? Right, for sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and that, the music gave us such a great emotional framework, mm-hmm. you know, to have these conversations. So um, I, I think people are going to um, just be moved by it. I think it's going to be a project that people can listen to and relate to you may just have people who don't really listen to jazz like that just vibing out to it you know that's the point you may have whole jazz heads out here like yeah this is it right jazz this jazz purists that are gonna that for sure i mean one of one of my good friends great musician he was like man i love you i love you i love the album shit is dope i've listened to he's like yeah it's like real fusion you know what i mean fusion and i'm like i get that that makes sense to say but I didn't look at it like that. I didn't look like I was making a fusion album. I looked at it like I was making a jazz album. Yeah. Um, and this yeah. is what jazz sounds, feels, and looks like to me as mm-hmm. somebody who's a descendant of the home of jazz. Like that's like me being a Cuban and somebody telling me how my Latin music is supposed to sound. You know what I mean? Or my my um you know, I'm, I make a bolero. They saying it's not Cuban enough. Like, no, this is my roots. Like, this is my family's. Mm-hmm. This is really who I am. 
I didn't go to school for this. Yeah. Like my family's from New Orleans and Mississippi, from the Delta. But like one of my my great uncle Ernest played blues guitar. Like, you know what I mean, I'm not saying he was some famous or great person, but it's not about famous. About the culture, the lineage. Like this yeah. is really my blood. Yeah. I don't even, you know, my pops is was a, was a, you know, a prominent jazz musician in, you know, the 70s, 80s, and stuff like that. He's since retired, but uh, my father uh, Nana Wusu. Um, he's like a local legend, if you will. Like, you know what I mean? So I grew up with my dad playing out and people like really praising my dad's playing in particular. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, I got an opportunity recently to talk to, to, to gig with somebody who gigged with my dad when he was playing. And as soon as he found out who my dad was, he's like, yo, this is a Wusu song, you know, you know, Son, this is a Wusu song, man, your dad, whoa, your dad, man, your dad, like, it was that kind of, I'm like, man, this guy was really something, um, so, like, I come from that as well, as well, um, so, so like, to me, if we continue to, to have to try to sound like 1958, you know what I mean, that, that's a trap, and that's how our music dies, right, because there's people that's, that's not going to be interested in that, so, to me, it's about in the tradition of a Miles Davis or who's like my guy. Miles Davis is my favorite jazz musician in particular and one of my favorite musicians, period. Um, but he was always trying to do the next thing, the new thing. And because of who he is, it's always jazz, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the form or the notes that make it Correct. jazz. It's the Correct. vessel. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that's how, I, and you know, not for nothing, I feel like I have that kind of, not like Miles Davis, I'm saying, but just like my intention and my culture supports what I'm doing. People from all over, yeah. I want people who would never listen to jazz, listen to it. You'll find something that you like, I'm sure. I promise mm-hmm. that you will. I promise that you will. And I'm excited. Uh, I, 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 you were when we were talking the other day. You were telling me that there's, uh, you thinking about doing just a limited supply vinyl yeah, pressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, whenever, whenever that happens, hit me up. I'm working on getting the vinyl together. I'm just moving some pieces to get it, get it done, right. I'm with it. You know what I mean. I'm, and I'll be, I'll be ready whenever mm-hmm. it happens. Let everybody know where they can follow you at yeah you know, you, follow you me on my on my um instagram which is where i'm most active um is my name at kofi hunter i have a facebook it's my it's my more full name kofi bone sue hunter you can uh you know follow me there uh, as well I, i'm not as active there i'm, I'm more like kind of just connected with family and friends on name i have a website kofihunter.com i recently launched that um also you can follow my have a couple band pages have a band with my friends called the super nigga and <laughs> tsn is what we go by um you can, if you go to my page you'll see it in my bio you'll see a link to tsn page my fusion band that in my band that is a fusion band which is air sign it's it's i'm playing congas mostly on that music it's, it's like more latin influenced and then i have my music festival kwanzaa fest bk follow kwanzaa fest uh, kofihunter.bandcamp.com for uh, to buy the album. It's, it's available for streaming everywhere, but uh, if you want to support and buy it, you can get it for $7 at Bandcamp. Also, 
they have the great option where you can pay more. You can pay $10, $15, $20 because, you know, they take a, a percentage out, right? But I will say Bandcamp is the best for musicians because we get the most money from them. And it's just a direct sale. It's not like <clears throat> iTunes where we don't see the money for like months. And then when we do, it's like they take most of it. So if you're going to buy it, I would, I would say Bandcamp. Got it. I show appreciate it. I can't wait for everybody to listen to the project. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep listening to the project. Um, I just appreciate your obedience to spirit mm-hmm. on this, you know, and really pushing and seeing it, seeing it through, mm-hmm. you know, because it's one thing to have an idea, but to have an idea and to be able to execute mm-hmm. manifest and get it out and execute quickly. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of times people have ideas and they just kind of, They'll sit and they'll play with it and like years go start to go mm-hmm. by, you know, our ability to be able to see, do and complete fast is it's that's what's going to be the big blessing right there. Yeah, so yeah. I appreciate that so I'm much. Grateful. I'm grateful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming on TT Talk. Thank you for having me. I'm a fan. You see, I be Man. checking in on you on, on the IG sometimes saying what Hey, up. I appreciate um, it too. So. Thank you. Thank so you. I'll be checking on what you're doing Thank too. You. That's that's how I even, you know, knew. So when you hopped on and was like, hey, let's talk yeah. about it. I was like, it was already right, in my memory right, bank right, to right, do. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know I mean. So yes, Kofi, Bonsu, me. Hunter, me. <laughs> Nation, Nation Time. It's streaming all over the place, Everywhere. but you want to get it on Bandcamp. That's right. Okay? And if you if you got title. Tidal has the best audio quality. They have the hi-fi yeah. audio quality. I've been streaming it on on yeah. um on Tidal. And, and, and Tidal has the credits. You can see who mm-hmm. did what and where. I like Tidal yep. for, for, for all of that. You know what I mean? And, me and too. it's black owned. Me too. Yeah. 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 Y'all support your artists. Support all of our local and our national and our international artists. There's a shift mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on in all industries and in always. It don't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in the music industry, in the healthcare industry, it don't matter if you're in real estate, don't matter if you're in the service industry, whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, there is mm-hmm. a shift that's happening mm-hmm. and it's forcing everybody to have to pivot. Mm-hmm. You know, rethink, reimagine how uh you're wanting your past and your present and your future you know, to, to integrate with each other, you know, so keep hope alive. You know, we didn't come here to do the least brother. Kofi certainly did not come (laughs) here to do the least. He definitely came here to do all of the most, uh, but we thank him for it. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Peace. Thank you so much for rocking with me. And thank you again, Brother Kofi, for your artistry and taking the time to walk us through the creation of Nation Time. Make sure you follow Kofi on IG at Kofi Hunter. The album is streaming everywhere, but make sure that you support our artists and purchase the project. KofiHunter.Bandcamp.com. Make sure you get it there, folks. And make sure you are following TT at TT Talks on IG. Go to tttalks.com and see all that I have to offer. And make sure that you listen to and share the Cool Kids Crumma Mix by yours truly, DJ Nostalgic. It is on Mixcloud. It is also on SoundCloud. You're going to definitely enjoy it. 
Shout out to Bonfire Radio for uh, playing that mix several times over the last few days. I really appreciate the spins, and I'm just enjoying hearing the stuff on the radio. That's dope to me. I love it. Make sure y'all stay tuned. I got more dope content on the way. Have a safe and happy new year. And remember, you did not come here to do the least. Peace.